Welcome back, everybody. Happy hump day. Happy Wednesday to everybody out there, and it's special video time again. You already know. You already this is know. our fifth? Yeah, yeah, fifth special episode. Yeah, and we ain't, we ain't slowing down yet. But that list you got, nah, yeah. we ain't nowhere close. Um, today's topic is one that we have been, this is basically the very first idea we had for the special, yeah, top, really the special video topic. We wanted to wait a little bit. We wanted to do the top 10 fighters in the UFC of all time first. Mm -hmm. And this one, because sometimes it can be kind of misconstrued as being the same thing, we wanted to hold off a little bit before we did this. But what you're going to find is, um, for the majority of our picks here, they're not going to be people we had in our top 10 of all time, as crazy as that sounds. Three of my four are not on my top 10 list. I'm pretty sure so. uh, three of my four, I believe, I believe as well. So, there you yeah, go. that's and, just the big difference, really. At the end of the day, yeah. I mean, again, just we're talking to, pioneers. Yeah, just wanting to. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's not necessarily the four. It's not the four greatest of all time. It's who we feel their impact, their legacy on the company, no matter what time period it was in. UFC started in 1993, still going strong today. There's been a lot of changes in those years. If you go back and watch those early UFCs, you will see a different fucking product, man. You might even be disturbed, <laughs> depending on who you yeah. are. It's uh, it's wild the amount of changes we've went through. I mean, if you look at just those uh, early events, I mean, for a while there was no rounds. Yeah, there was. They just fought. I mean, you if you watch, they fought like, three if, times in one night. If you watch Keith Hackney and Joe Son at UFC four. You have a guy just wailing on a dude's nuts for like a minute. <laughs> Like, this is crazy. True. You have guys nearly being thrown out of the octagon. Guys thrown through the cage. Like Guys that are 155 pounds fighting 350-pound sumo wrestlers. Yeah, sumo wrestlers in the UFC. Like, back then, and obviously we'll touch on this once we actually get in, so I, w I won't, uh, I'll hold off on giving too much about the early days, but basically it's just the pioneers, as you're saying. Yeah. And we're still, you know, since... We've never seen a sport grow this quickly. No, not at all. And From a global standpoint, especially, mm -hmm. not even close. Never. And a lot of that's thanks to the modern technology at hand and the fact that, yeah. you know, it's just so much more accessible than a sport that was started in the 1800s before cars were driven and shit. Yeah, with so, baskets hanging on a wall. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy, like, to see a sport that was literally started in the 90s and now it's on ESPN. It's been on Fox. It's one of the it's one of the biggest sports going today. And again, I I said this in the pilot, a sport that I would choose to watch over any other. Uh, and I'm right there with you. And I don't take that lightly. No, not at all. I'm That's a up, hot take. Literally, I said I did not start watching until the summer before freshman year of college back in 2016. I grew up a big football guy, baseball guy, developed a love for basketball towards my early teens, I would say. Um, so football's always been number one for me, with baseball being like a close second. Yeah. The fact that I can sit here and say I'd rather watch, I mean, I, I can com completely say I watch more UFC than any other sport. Oh, yeah. And I mean, football still like has a special place in my heart. It's a sport I played the most growing up. It's a sport that I've watch the most but a lot of times I'm not watching 
many games outside of my favorite team. Right. That's what's so beautiful about combat sports, about the UFC, is you're watching individuals. Yes. So it's that's the beauty. It's of individual it versus individual. Yeah, like it, they have their coaches in there. Like, don't get me wrong. There's beauty that. in team sports. Like I love. I just love how different it is. Right. It, it, at the end of the day, it's two people locked into a cage. Who's better? Who's better? Beat the shit out of each other for our entertainment. It's yeah. a little, <laughs> but I promise it's a. It's more beautiful than that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it's an art. It's yeah. mixed martial arts. Yeah. So. And we're going to get into this, but I won't. I want to start. Uh, we've been teasing it uh, all week. Uh, big news coming tomorrow. That'll be on mm-hmm. Thursday. You can catch that if you follow us on our Below Average Joe's underscore podcast on Instagram. It's going to be all over the place. Um, if you're subscribed to this channel, uh, we'll probably post the uh, video. Yeah, our first actual video on YouTube, yeah, we'll, sort we'll, of. Yeah, we'll post the video uh, detailing the big announcement on here. Um, or you can follow us on our uh, personal Twitter, socials. Instagram, yeah. Snapchat. So, yeah, follow us on there. Add us on there. It's going to be everywhere. Um, it's going to be everywhere. It's a big deal. Thursday is a milestone for the Below Average Joe's UFC podcast. Well, it's the one month. It's yeah, one not month. only because of, you know, like you said, the one month. Mm-hmm. August 10th, 2020. First ever episode. September 10th, 2020. Everything changes. Everything changes. Literally, the book is thrown out the window. New book. A new in. chapter. Yeah, yeah, not even a new chapter. A, <laughs> a new, new book. book. Yeah, it's crazy. And um, again, just thank you all for your support along the way. And um, we'll talk more or just, you know, rehash essentially what we're saying now at the end. But uh, we're going to get into this. Let's do it. The UFC. No, no, no. The Below Average Joes. UFC podcast, UFC <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Boy, these mouthful <laughs> titles are getting crazy. Hey, All right, I'm number one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so the way we're going to do this, we each have four guys. That's how many heads are on that damn monument. <laughs> yes. So we have four people, right? Yes. Um, we're each going to go one by one. Now, we did share our list beforehand. I was Unlike uh, the top ten. Yeah, video. I was doing that more because... I was seeing how similar our list were going to be, and what's funny is they're not really that similar. Even though there's only four people. There's only four people, yeah. and we have one person who's the exact same. So basically, I think the way you kind of had yours laid out is it's going to be, well, I don't know if it's really like that. I was going to say uh, we'll go basically in like chronological. That's like, kind of That's kind of what I noticed with yours. That's kind of what you're doing. i got to flip my three and four. Yeah, if you want to do that, that's fine. Yeah. If not, mine will be pretty much like that. My three and four are pretty coinciding with each other i, I do want to say this is going to be all time right 27 yeah. years in the company i feel that you can make a mount rushmore for the early days yes the the freaking the dark ages dark as ages, they call it the post tough the era post tough and modern day like yeah. you could make you know your case for all four but this is 27 years 27 years and we have to, we pick, have to pick four four, four pioneers Why and that's what's great and that's what i was kind of getting at with a sport that's in its relative infancy when you <laughs> really look at it yeah um pioneers are still coming oh yeah there will be people that'll come in that after this video has been posted who will become pioneers of the sport yeah that's what's so beautiful about it yeah like 
So if there's a ten year old listening to this <laughs> that just started watching UFC, their Mount Rushmore is going to look completely different yeah. than what ours will. Yeah, and that's I think that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, so uh, I think our first one here, since this is the one that we have the same this is on, the same person. I think we can uh, both just kind of talk about this individual. And I think this one is like the only one that, if someone didn't include this individual on their list, I'd have to question a lot. Yeah, I'd be very surprised. But it's understandable when you look at when they were fighting. Yeah. The inaugural winner of the... Because, okay, hold on. <laughs> let, let me set the groundwork here, because there's more to be said here. Paint the picture. Early days of the UFC, right? Those first, uh, I want to say the first 10 pay-per-views, first 12 pay-per-views, something like that, it was tournament style. Yeah. So you had a one-night tournament. Guys, if you were to win, you likely were fighting three times in the same night. That's something you will never see again. You will never see that People again. don't even fight three times you, in a year. You will never see someone fight more than once in a night. It will not happen under the current not even Chimaev. <laughs> not even not even Hazmat, man. Um, he's doing the closest thing. So to during that. this time, this individual won the inaugural UFC one tournament. He won the UFC two tournament. And he won the UFC four tournament. And that is Mr. Hoist Gracie. Hoist Gracie introduced Brazilian Jiu Jitsu to the Western Hemisphere. To the to, to, <laughs> Let's be honest. And, and basically to America. Yes, the United yeah. States. Um, so, kind of the details, sort of the time period, right? Paint the picture. 1993. It's 1993. A nice sunny day in 1993. Um, it was in Denver, right? It was in Denver, yeah. yeah. The, first, the first ever show, Denver, Colorado. Shout out Denver. One of my dream locations, but regardless. Um People buying this pay-per-view, they were told it's a one-night tournament and you're pitting style versus style. So at this time, you didn't have mixed martial artists. No. Nobody had ever... The first event, I'm pretty sure, wasn't even called mixed martial arts as, like, the sport. Uh, No holds barred was a a term thrown around. Well, it was looked at as a barbaric sport. Well, no holds barred is not inaccurate because it's saying no holds. Oh, yeah, it was pretty wild. Because when you... No holds barred means, like, no holds yeah. are not allowed. Uh, especially when you look at, like I said, Keith Hackney, Joe Son, my man's balls got freaking wailed on for a solid 30 seconds. And then he just said, you know what? And then what's funny is, Joe Son, much to his uh, di- much to his credit, uh, does not stop uh, after those ball punches. But then my boy Hackney puts him in a blood choke. Huh? I wish they could have just seen my face. <laughs> a blood choke? Um, so these early days, man, like, before people even had the term mixed martial arts, basically UFC won through, really until the wrestlers took over in, like, the late 90s with, like, Mark Coleman, um, Dan Severin, you know, guys like that. Um, you were doing, like, you would have a boxer going up against a... Uh, sumo wrestler like you had just different styles you had styles that weren't even really uh real styles like you had like pit fighting yeah i mean not that that's not real style you had street fighting you had jujitsu with hoist gracie you had i believe ken shamrock was um i can't remember now he wasn't uh there was wrestling obviously um but you had all these different styles that these people had spent years like their whole lives honing 
And it was meant to be a tournament to be what's the supreme style fighting. So when this event was being created, one of the uh, highest people backing it was another Gracie. Um, I don't remember the first name, but um, off the top of my head. But going in, this was kind of meant to be a showcase for Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Mm -hmm. In the late '80s, early '90s, there were the they called them the great. It was like the Gracie, uh, the Gracie Challenge is what it was called, where um, the family would come to the United States, go to all these different gyms, challenge all of the upcoming martial artists to like a, a role as they call it mm-hmm. and the the family would smoke them yeah and the whole point was if someone beat them you would get a million dollars really and they didn't even have a million dollars because they, they knew they weren't going to lose they knew they weren't going to lose so this was kind of ballsy like this whole event was essentially in in that guy's eyes being put together as a means to showcase this to the american audience mm-hmm because that would be such a huge get for their art form to be able to put that in America and have that blow up. Um, and they chose Hoist to be the representative. He is not the best Gracie when it comes to jiu-jitsu. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. But they chose him because he's a smaller, skinnier, unsuspecting almost. Um, like if you see him, when you saw him fighting Ken Shamrock at yeah. UFC 1, Ken Shamrock, dude fought in WWF back in the day. Massive dude. Massive. Dude's yoked. Yeah. And then you have Gracie, who's kind of this shorter, skinnier, not like toned really yeah. guy in a gi. Yeah. And you, Ken Shamrock gets choked out in less than a minute. It was never so, before seen skill. So, you know, people were like watching this little dude in a gi just fucking everybody up. And They're you, like, what's going on? Yeah, and uh, it definitely worked. But Gracie Hoist had to really <laughs> pull through on that end there because there's a lot riding for him there, and he dominated when he was in. He only fought in five events, UFC 1 through 5, and he went 11-0-1. Never lost. He only had a draw with Ken Shamrock at UFC 5, their rematch, one of the worst fights in UFC history, funny enough. Um, because, again, early days, still figuring shit out. They thought there was no need for rounds. Because, really, for the most part in those early events, no fight had went past, like, five minutes. Did they just go to, what, 30 minutes? or did they? Just... I think it was an hour. That's insane. It was an hour of Ken Shamrock in top position in the guard. And, and he was too nerd. Like, you He's... had Hoist, who didn't want to lose. You had Ken... Who was getting didn't want to get, stuck, didn't in want to get stuck in a submission again? So he just held him down for literally sixty minutes. I think it even went past that because they were like, "Come on, just something happened," and uh, it ended up being a draw. But not going to let that take away from that eleven and zero in four events. Yeah, the man would have won all four. That UFC three, he fought a guy named Kimo Leopoldo, another just massive individual, who's also a guy who fought everywhere. Very tough guy. Kimo pretty much dominated him for a large portion of that fight. Hoist is able to get the arm bar about four minutes in. Uh, he gets injured. Basically, he's unable to continue, so he has to be taken out of the tournament. Because, mm-hmm. again, it's one night. Um, so then, then Ken Shamrock, 
uh, says something about like a foot injury or something, so he's out. But a lot of people have kind of confirmed that Ken basically dropped out because he's like, well, if I'm not fighting Hoist tonight, fighting, because that was the whole purpose for him to come back in his eyes. Um, so it ends up being won by a guy named Steve Jenham, who was, when you have a tournament style and guys start falling out, you have to have uh, fill-ins, guys that can step up and replace right. them. Uh, this guy named Steve Jenham steps in for uh, one of the two or whoever. So he ends up fighting Keith Hackney in the finals of UFC 3 and wins his own, his first fight of the night while Keith Hackney had fought like twice before. So you can see why a tournament style doesn't always, especially in one night, doesn't always uh, work out well. But yeah. uh, this man won three, three of the first four tournaments. And the fact that he introduced what is today just one of the most integral aspects of mixed martial arts to the western world as you said yeah, or to the united states uh you can i i question any person that wouldn't put hoist gracie on this list and really it only adds to it that he literally never lost it's kind of crazy yeah he never but lost like, the fact that he brought in brazilian jiu-jitsu at a time when no one had really ever even heard of it and now you see it all the time in t- today's world black belts brown belts you know all these studs um, guy or girl doesn't matter. Uh, it it's impossible had the Gracie family and of course Hoyce never been a part of the UFC. Man, it's mm-hmm. it's wild to think about that. Like, yeah. what if? What if he would have? If not he loses fought, you know? to someone like Ken Shamrock at UFC one, yeah. What if he loses that first ever fight? I've talked to my dad a lot about this because him and my mom actually they worked at a, a Delphi plant in like Dayton, Ohio um, in the 90s um, they were you know like factory workers and a lot of those early UFCs were being you know basically shared around on these like burnt VHS yeah. tapes and yeah. stuff really cool stuff I really liked hearing about what he had to say about it but imagine you as a viewer sitting down to watch the first UFC and you're just like all you know about it is that you have these just a bunch of people fighting in one night you're like I got, I like fighting I like watching people beat the shit out of each other I'm gonna watch this you see guys like Ken Shamrock I mean got sumo wrestler yeah. like you see all these huge individuals you're probably I mean you probably look at Ken Shamrock you go well these guys are all just meat yeah like like Ken's gonna win this. yeah and um or someone you know you might think the sumo wrestler is just from the pure mass <laughs> but uh, so, like, nobody knew what they were seeing. Right. Even the people commentating the action. <laughs> NFL Hall of Famer, uh, Brown's Jim Brown. legend, Jim yeah. Brown, on commentary for the first ever event. So, you know, we're from Ohio, so any of you uh, Cleveland folks, that's yep. an interesting point for you. They had no idea what they were watching. That's very true. And that's not a knock on them. That's just nobody did. It was all new. Yeah. It's really I, – I want – I – would like any person who wants to get into it to watch at least the first one. It's it might be tough it's, to sit through because it's just so. You'll different, be very fascinated. But it is so interesting to see how that turned into what you watch now. Exactly. And Hoist Gracie was the guy <laughs> in the forefront of it. Yeah. It, Without him, the whole ship sink. Yeah. That's that's how I look at it. Before it ever even really got afloat. So everybody, yeah, and everybody's just like, wow, this little guy like is just putting these chokes on people. He's just wrapping people up with the sleeve on the gi, just choking someone out. Like, it was badass, but it was like, damn, this little guy, like, he's like one of the smallest people fighting. 
What's the saying? Like, it's not the size of the dog? Yeah, it's the, no, the size, size of, of the, the heart of the dog. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait. It's not the size of the dog. It's, it's not the, the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight, fight in the, in the dog. dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, Hoist Gracie. Hoist Gracie. <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Spot one. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to let you take it away with your number two spot here. So, to me, this is big. This was the guy where I was young Dom. You it know? was really hard for me not to put this Just tuning on. in yeah. on pay-per-view with my dad having poker parties in the basement. <laughs> Who was fighting? The Iceman, Chuck Liddell. Legend. What more do you need to say? I'm done. No, I'm just kidding. So this, to me, you can you can very well argue that Tito should be in over Chuck, or that they both should be on. But to me, Chuck was that first superstar that the UFC had in their organization, outside of Tito, right? That's where I say they can kind of inter- be interchangeable. There was something about this dude. Had his hair cut in a mohawk. Had uh, the Chinese writing tattooed on his head. Had the the ice. trunks on with ice, ice dripping down on him. And he walks in that octagon and just tried to take people's heads off. And not only was he an amazing striker, but a UFC light heavyweight champion. Yeah, dominant. And, and the face of not only that um, division, but the face of the organization. And I say that because, and we've mentioned this many times... The light heavyweight division historically has been the division in the UFC. It really has been. And for Chuck to come in at a time where they were still really trying to get their feet off the ground and um, put on amazing fights, you know, the amazing rivalry with Tito, the 30 for 30 on it that just came out, uh-huh. I think, last year amazing or two years ago. Amazing documentary. Yeah, if you haven't seen that, I'd watch it. But And it documents this well, Yeah, in my it really opinion. does. But, like... There's something about that superstar factor to where, what if they didn't have this guy? Mm-hmm. It's harder. You're not selling pay-per-views. You're not getting as many eyes on. But how many people, you know, for example, like I said, my dad having these poker parties in the basement. He's like, oh, Chuck Liddell's fight, and you should come over. Or they're like, who's that? Oh, you don't want to miss this guy fight. He's going to go in there and knock this dude out. Or it's going to be the fight of the year, the best fight you've ever seen. Like, people wanted to see this and he brought it every fight no matter how yeah, all the way through his career even at the latter days where he started getting knocked out yeah. instead of knocking people out <laughs> right and uh, again a light heavyweight champion multiple title defenses the rivalry with tito is so historical i can't say enough about chuck and to me like if it hadn't been for chuck i probably wouldn't be sitting here right now making this podcast because yeah. i don't know if i would have been drawn into the sport quite like i was mm-hmm. It's just, uh, if we're talking a pioneer, it's, again, I know Tito and blah, 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 but it's hard not to have the Iceman for me. So that's my number two. Yeah, uh, it was really hard for me not to put Chuck or Tito on here. That's a spoiler. Chuck and Tito are not on mine, and that was really hard. Um, Tito probably would have been the one I would have leaned to. if uh, I just want to give them the credit here. Chuck, you just detailed it all. There were two rivalries that kept the UFC afloat because 
UFC went into what we call and what um, fans of the sport uh, call the dark ages. Kind of, um, you have Mark Coleman brought in as the inaugural uh, champion, heavyweight champion. Now, UFC only had like three divisions for a, a while. And uh, obviously, heavyweight in all combat sports is like one of the is the biggest. Who's the baddest man on yeah, the planet? Yeah, because it's looked at as like no matter whoever the heavyweight champion is, he just you know for the sheer size and weight would beat any other champion. That's usually what you would assume. Yeah. Um. So they've it, in boxing, it's always been the heavyweight division, right? So in UFC, they Mark Coleman, an all-girl champion. Um, then there's like a you know. They they move away from tournament style. It's it's more just card based. Um, however, behind the scenes um, in Washington, you have a man by the name of John McCain. Rest in peace, John McCain. But uh, he was not the biggest fan of the sport. This is still one of the and you know this is the, the this is the nineties, man. So like, I'm not gonna like shit on a guy for one is dead. And two, for having a viewpoint. That many had. That many had. He, he was just at a... He uh, was just someone who was advocating. Yeah, and he was, uh, you know, that public figure. Yeah. That so many people heard him say this. Yeah. So he just, you know, it was before pre-presidential candidate John McCain, Senator John McCain, I believe. Um, this is when, well, really, MMA was illegal in well, that's how many states? Well, I was about to say yeah, that yeah. because of him. That's why. Oh, it sorry. Happened. Sorry, I saw your thunder yeah. a little um, bit. But re- re- yeah. re- reverse, reverse. <laughs> so, John McCain uh, essentially goes to Congress and says that the sport is barbaric. And it is quote unquote. Go ahead. Human cockfighting. Human cockfighting. Um, they just and you know some of this is on the UFC as well because their marketing teams um, they were very much appealing to a demographic of the the blue collar white like family like not family but you know what I mean like the mm-hmm. blue collar white individuals like the people who you know those have been the people that for some reason have always enjoyed like the combat sports the and, and when you're having something that's so like <clears throat> niche like this where it's like these complex fighting styles and stuff but um they very much marketed it as to a very small demographic yeah they, really. but really they were what they were doing was they were marketing it to be like you find out who lives who dies yeah like, like it, it was, came off as barbarian yeah like the, a lot of the marketing at that time because that was what was selling when people, if you, at the, in the 90s, see a commercial or an ad for the next UFC event, and it's, like, showing blood, and yeah. it's saying, like... Rock and roll music. Yeah, like, the hard rock the music. And, and they're, like, find, like, who will live, who will die, like, find out live yeah. UFC 9, or whatever yeah, the hell's. Yeah. Um, when you see that stuff, you're intrigued, right? You're like, is someone actually going to die? Yeah. <laughs> Are we? Am I actually going to see like someone get taken to the hospital? And yeah. Is someone's life going to be compromised because of a fight? It's very intriguing. It worked for them. Yeah. And John McCain goes, uh-uh. he said human cockfighting. He basically recommended that every state should uh, deem it illegal. Yeah. For I believe at the time he it was still referred to as no holds barred fighting. Um. 
and UFC actually around it because that happened. I believe it was UFC seven or UFC nine, in um, oh I don't remember where it was. I want to say it was in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And days before the event is when he first had that hearing with mm-hmm. Congress. So Michigan uh, came to the heads of the UFC and they were like, look, you can have the event, but you have to follow these guidelines. And it was like a huge book of restrictions. And I mean, there was no, they weren't allowed to have op- uh, closed fist strikes. Um, I believe there was no elbows on the ground, like all this stuff. Basically, it was like saying you can't fight. Like, they were supposed to have, like, headgear on at one time and, like, shin pads, like like a spar almost. Mm-hmm. Like, it was completely compromising to the whole event. Um, but somehow they still had the event. Um, there was the infamous uh, Ken Shamrock-Dan Severn fight that main evented called, they call it the dance in Detroit, the Detroit dance, because they literally circled each other for about 60 minutes. Um, because they weren't, they were told they're not allowed. If they, they were told, if you throw a closed fist strike, you will be arrested on site. And towards the end, Dan Severn said, "Fuck it," and just started punching anyways. But regardless, um, the UFC sent into the dark ages, where um, they're banned. Essentially, their whole sport is banned in like almost forty of the fifty states. Yeah. Um, very hard for them to get a lot of paper the most pay-per-view providers wouldn't hold the shows um they were struggling bad and then you have tito ortiz who comes in around ufc 20 or so he becomes light heavyweight champion after actually uh ken shamrock's brother frank leaves the company another guy who's very underrated if you're talking like top fighters ever he was dominant but he leaves the company Tito takes over, light heavyweight champion, completely takes off. and um, The Huntington Beach bad boy. Yeah, and he takes off and really like um, leaves a mark, keeps the company afloat, I would say, because there was two rivalries that I look at in those early days. Not early, early days, but you know what the era we're talking about now that kept the company alive, and that's Tito Ortiz versus Ken Shamrock <laughs> and Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell. Yep. So you're wondering, oh, he's saying he's taking Tito. Well, I'm not. I'm not. As much as I respect what Tito did for the company at that time and Chuck and how their rivalry especially kept the company alive, my second individual is a very long-winded way of me getting to this. Yeah, that was. And it's going to come maybe out of left field because I have not even talked about him yet. Uh, Forrest Griffin. Oh. Forrest Griffin is my number two. You told me that before. Yeah, you were still like, who is it? (laughs) Uh, and here's why. So, I've detailed all this stuff to you guys. Dark Ages, blah, blah, blah. Well, the UFC is given an opportunity where they notice that reality TV is really taking off in the early to mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. Survivor. Yeah. Fear Factor. Big Brother. Yeah. One of my favorites. Um, a lot of random shows on like VH1 and <laughs> yeah, TV. Yeah. I used to watch a lot as a kid, um, as much as that's cringe to admit. Um, Music television. So the UFC sees an opportunity where it's like, they looked at it like, let's make a, a reality show in quote in quotations, but really what we're doing is showcase, showcasing, showcasing talent, yep. showcasing the sport. Yep. So it's like disguised as a reality show. So they pitched The Ultimate Fighter. Well... Thank goodness. 
most major networks either they don't want to back it because of the product or they don't want to put it they think it's too risky that there's not enough of an audience to hold like to really pay dividends <clears throat> for them well they get a meeting um spike tv shout out to spike now known actually as Paramount. the guy that they were pitching to uh, what's funny is he was on his way. Apparently, it looked like I guess he was in like Cubs gear or White Sox gear or something, or Dodgers gear. I think it was in L.A. It was Dodger like a Dodger fan, so he basically was like trying to rush through the meeting so he could go to the Dodgers the game. game. And basically, they were like, "Yeah, we don't think we're gonna be able to do this." So Dana White and the Fertitta brothers, who are now at this point the the heads of the company, yeah, they agreed to put up all of the. They will put up all of the money. Every dollar that goes into the production, pre-production, production, post-production of the show will come out of their pockets as long as Spike airs it. Yeah. And Spike agreed to do it. It's an offer you can't refuse. Yeah. And they agreed to do it. And there was some uh, growing pains. Um, they, they um, if, you, if you've ever watched the first season, have you watched? You've watched I it. love it. I the have it on season. DVD. Do you remember like the very first couple episodes how they were trying to do like more reality show challenges and stuff? Yeah. And then they just yeah. stopped doing that. Yeah. And they were like, like randomly. Okay. And then they go, okay, you guys are going to just fight now. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of the fighters are like, whoa, wait a minute. When you told us we were coming on here, we, we weren't told we were fighting for free. Yeah. So then Dana White comes in and gives the infamous So You Want to Be a Fighter speech. Oh, man. Look that up right now. Yeah, that speech, man. Like, so I get it. I get it. I get it how it kind of gets mean now because it's like. Oh, you got, like, because people talk shit with Dana about how he doesn't pay the fighters enough. And at this time, he's like, oh, so you won't fight for free. Like, fuck you. So nowadays, people kind of make fun of it. But great speech. Makes you want to run through a brick wall. Basically. Um, so then they start fighting. Well, it does pretty well. You know, ratings are pretty good. Personalities but, begin to be created. Yeah, personalities begin to be created. You know, these fight. Everybody's getting to learn more about these fighters. You yep. got guys like Forrest Griffin, Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner, Chris Lieben. Mm-hmm. Love the Chris Crippler, Lieben, the man. Crippler, man. Diego Sanchez, Mike Swick, right? Mike Swick was on there. Uh, Josh Koscheck. Uh, Josh Koscheck. The, so the original people, bad man. boy. Of um, UFC. Kenny Florian was on there. Like. Yeah. So many big names in the sport. Josh Koscheck was Colby Covington before Colby Covington. He was cringy, wasn't he? A little bit. But I mean he he owned up to it. He was the bad guy. Yeah. It's true. So Again, per- personalities. personalities. We remember these guys. Oh, well, Chris Lieben, man. Yeah, I mean the ratings were good, but ultimately Spike it was looking like they weren't gonna pick it up for a second season. Now, the UFC had put a lot of money. Basically, every dollar they had left went into this show. Yeah, and there wasn't much. Yeah, but it was still, like, it was enough where it's like, if this doesn't pull through and nothing comes of this, then we might the company's some... done. Yeah. company's done. Dana White has said that multiple times. That if this show doesn't succeed, the, comp- the company is done. And then? Well, hold on. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, I'm really, I'm really... <laughs> So, okay, basically, there's a finale, obviously. Well, the finale is going to crown, because you have two different divisions uh, on this season. That was light heavyweight and welterweight? Sounds right. I think it was 170, yeah. Yeah, it probably was. So, 
you had two different divisions here. So the champions of each are going to, or not champions, and the champions of the season will be crowned at the finale along with the card of fights. A lot of which showcasing guys who hadn't made it that far. Or, um, I believe the main event was, uh, I want to say it was Rich Franklin may going have been. up against uh, Ken Shamrock. It may have been. That was either, that would have been at Rich's rise. That too. was either the finale of the season one or season two, but I believe it was season one. As crazy as that sounds, because it kind of gets forgotten about now. Um, which because that was a huge that would have been a huge fight back then. One of the then. best fighters in the world. Um, so finales finale time, right? Well, first fight of of the finale, like if, as far as crowning, you have Diego Sanchez. Winning his fight over Kenny Florian, I think he beat Kenny, and it was a dominant. I think it was Kenny. Diego Florian. won it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Diego dominated him. It Diego was, like, was. You might watch Diego now and be like, "What the hell?" Yeah, I, but I, he was a freak, man. He was I mean, the nightmare. Yeah, literally, he was so good yeah. and a huge personality. Everybody loved he watching him. dominated that fight. And Dana's like, oh shit. Like, it wasn't like a great, like, it wasn't the most enthralling fight to watch. So he's like sitting there like, fuck man, like get, he's starting to sweat a little bit. Because it's like, if this finale, literally right now, if Spike had to choose before this finale started, they're like, we're probably not picking it up for season two. Because then, at that point, they need Spike to pick up the bill. Yeah. Well, then comes the next one, crowning the winner for the light heavyweight division. You have Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner. And they go in and put on... Only three rounds, by the way. Only three rounds. And they put on, at that time, the best fight in UFC history. And to this day, a top ten fight in UFC A top ten fight of all time. Maybe top five. Maybe. Unbelievable. A wild brawl just showcasing heart, talent, determination, all of it. A whole season of like building up to like like they want like so you want to be a fighter? These both these guys proved and it. And I right. remember even uh on the broadcast Mike Goldberg saying, "So you want to be an ultimate fighter?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. And uh ultimately um Forrest Griffin gets the nod on two out of three judges, or I believe he had, I think it was unanimous, but he gets the decision win. And it's like a movie, man. Like, you, you have this triumphant, it's like, literally, right after this fight happens, right after the main event happens, um, they're at a casino in Vegas, um, or, I think, because I believe the finale was held in. It was probably MGM Grand. Yeah, or or it was in a casino, I think. Um, the execs from Spike literally take Dana and the Portillas outside in the like, in the like, by the dumpsters and have them sign the contract for the second season of The Ultimate Fighter out in the alley. And one of the most amazing moments in UFC history. Yeah, like a movie. Dana comes into the octagon, presents Forrest with the trophy and the and six you know, figure and contract. Is devastated. And he goes, I don't know what the what he actually said word for word. But he's like. And just because of that fight and the heart and effort and blah, 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 we're giving Stefan Bonner a six-figure contract, too. And the place goes nuts. I remember seeing Bruce Buffer in the octagon, and he's fist-pumping, like, yeah. yeah. Stefan and Forrest I just got chills, yeah. dude. 
Like it's literally a movie. Like you like if you watch that in a movie you'd go, This is kinda cheesy. Please go watch the Ultimate Fighter finale, season one. That that like if you I, and I mean, again, if you have the time, watch that whole first season. Because well, yeah. the whole build up to that yeah. moment and when you know what went into it, uh, it's incredible. And that and like really that could be enough to put Forrest on this list. He him and Stefan Bonner in a sense yeah. saved the entire company. Yeah. One fight. And that's really why he's on here, but if you continue from there... Well, look, he was a beast. Now, Forrest, his whole his whole shtick, right, Season during the season afterwards, he's always like, I'm just a guy, and I'm, I'm given a good opportunity. It was always like, he was the underdog at all times. <clears throat> it was, nobody thought like he was really talented enough to be a champion. So when he beat Rampage Jackson in convincing fashion... When Rampage was on top of the world... Rampage had just knocked out Chuck. It came over from dominating in pride. Yeah, and, and Forrest basically handles him and gets the belt. It was like another just like, oh my gosh, like this guy, right? And while he would his next uh, fight would get be against Rashad Evans, and uh, Rashad... Whew, uh, beat the shit out of Rashad Forrest brought Griffin. in that new breed. Yeah. You know? um, but Forrest, man, he he always was like a guy that always came to fight, always like just showing the most heart and like determination of anybody you would see. A guy would get beat up, keep coming. But that, ult- that Ultimate Fighter finale, that'll forever, if you're talking about legacy, if you're talking about like guys who left their mark, both those guys did that night. But Forrest Griffin, due to Basically, the fact not just that he won, but the fact that his whole career is more remembered. Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, works at the PI now. He's like the head yeah. of the Performance Institute. Yeah. An Ohio boy. Ohio boy. Shout out Columbus. Yeah. Um, what a man. Yeah. We got to meet him. We've yeah, talked we did. about we did that. Get to meet UFC him. Super nice guy. I I just couldn't not put him on there for the fact that he legitimately saved the company that night. Yeah. If you could put a fight on the Mount Rushmore instead of that would a person, that would be the number one one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that's I mean that's my number two. That was a very long number two right there. So uh, I it's want you right. to take over with your number three here. So I guess I am just gonna flip them because we're kind of are going sure. in order. So this one, <sighs> I know this one's really tough for you. I it's uh, I've been going back and forth all night last night, all day today. Who am I going to do? Who am I going to put on the Mount Rushmore? I changed my mind again. I can't help it. I well, have tell, to do. Well, you have to give credit to who you're not picking in these two. So, I am debating. I was debating. I'm no longer debating. Between George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. Who are... Arguably number one, number two of all time. Right. Pick which one you want in each spot. As you all know, if you tuned in to our top ten list, you know that Anderson Silva, to me, is the greatest of all time. So with that being said, I have to put Anderson Silva on my Mount Rushmore. I have to. You know what I like about yours so far? Because there's a, there's a pinch here that's personal. It has to be, right? When you're talking about your Mount Rushmore, it's... Yeah, sure. Obviously, like we have, we could put twenty fighters on here who have made a very sound impact, right? And you could pick any four of them, and it makes sense as a Mount Rushmore. Yeah, 
But the, you're going very personal you, with Chuck Liddell and now Anderson Silva. And really, I mean, both those guys, without even if you didn't have that attachment to them, still deserve to be on there in some shape or form. Anderson, okay, I want to do a little story time. First off, just sorry, not to cut you off, your favorite fighter of all time. Yeah, my, That's why you were like, I can't help it. It's, don't get me wrong, man. I had GSP up until we started... We hit the record button. Yeah. I'm like, I can't. I got to do yeah, Anderson. I get it. I was in our, our boys' MMA on points Twitch chat, right? Shout out McMally, Jason, all those fellas. Mm-hmm. I presented a question in the chat. I said, is it safe to say that in their prime between GSP, John Jones, Anderson Silva, Anderson had the best run? Think about that statement. I know it's a little unfair because we're not going whole career, right. right? But if you look at in their prime, at their who peak. had at their peak, who had that run? It's Mac agreed with me. It's Anderson Silva, hands down. So Anderson, again, representing Brazil. So that's kind of part one in terms of pioneering. Had a whole country behind him, representing an entire country. He comes in with all this hype around him, destroys Chris Levin, who everyone loved from the Ultimate Fighter. And, uh, what's funny though is this the, the casual fan did not really know Anderson Silva. No, this was, like, this, this guy was the co-main over? of one of the very first fight nights on Spike TV. Yeah, people were like, "Oh, Chris Levin's about to destroy this kid." Anderson walked in there, dis. Mantled one of the toughest fighters ever in less than a minute. One fight into the UFC, he earns a UFC title fight against at that time the best fighter in the world, Rich Franklin. Shout, shout out, out Ohio. Boy. Shout out Rich Franklin. Love you. It wasn't close. It wasn't close. Anderson that... made these. That's the thing. When I talk about this run, Anderson won sixteen fights in a row. Nearly every single one of them. He almost made it look as if each opponent didn't even belong in the octagon. That's a great way of putting it. And in my opinion, GSP and John have not done that. Have they had their dominant performances? Yeah, absolutely. But have they had their close calls? Yes. Was there ever a time during Anderson's run where you thought, he lost that fight? No. No. He dominated every person during that 16-fight win streak. And the only fight in that whole run... Where he was being beaten was the first Chael Sonnen Chael fight, Sonnen. and what is the greatest comeback ever? The it's, fight Chael Sonnen dominated, down, be the best dominated for five rounds, and then with a hail mary, Anderson puts on that choke and wins the fight. And I'm glad you brought that up because if we've talked rivalries throughout this episode, Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen, top ten, oh, maybe sure. top five rivalry ever yeah. in the UFC. Yeah. So there's another reason. I, I'm bullet pointing yeah. all the way down, man. And, again, he had the, the whole country of Brazil behind him. Uh, this man could do it all. Striking was unparalleled. At that time, no one came close. My man, looked. he looked like Neo from The Matrix. No, the Matrix. He was doing shit that no one had ever seen before, ever. But on top of that, get him on the ground. What's he going to do? Submit you? Rear naked choke, triangle chokes, arm bars, it didn't matter. He did everything. And, uh, you know, again, all day long you can argue who's number one, who's number two, who's number three, right? You can't 
argue. Like, you can't argue that. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. But in my opinion, like I said, during their prime, who looked the most dominant? It's not even close, in my opinion. John, we think, has lost two fights in a row. Right. GSP lost his last fight and then, re- or his last fight at welterweight, I should say, but he technically won, yeah, and he retired games. because of it. You know what I'm saying? But with Anderson, you never worried about that. Outside of the one fight he was losing, and then freaking won in incredible fashion. I can't say enough about Anderson. I could have a whole episode dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. And to me, like, again, I mentioned how Chuck kind of brought me into the sport, and I was like, oh man, this guy's pretty sweet. I've never been a fan of someone and been so happy every time that they're fighting to watch than Anderson Silva. He was just, as a kid, I was in awe every time he was on the television. And uh, much love to GSP. And even John Jones could be on a Mount Rushmore. He's on Dana White's Mount Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, which the picture yeah, that you're this seeing, is, Dana yeah, White's Mount Rushmore. Dana White's Mount Rushmore. Um, but yeah, man in terms of meaning personally to me it's Anderson and just I really think he genuinely can be made an argument to be on the Mount Rushmore so 100% that's my number three either one of those guys GSP or Anderson Silva like it's hard for me again I did not put either of these guys on there GSP is my number one of all time Anderson Silva was your two yeah he was for me it was flipped yeah so uh, ultimately like when you're talking about just pure dominance and pure like it's something we've never seen so, like a sustained run as champion unbelievable there's nothing. two weight classes by the way yeah. he fought multiple times at light heavyweight including <laughs> knocking out Forrest Griffin people don't realize in that. an amazing way I should yeah, say but man. I don't want to shit on your boy because no he's it was on a tough him. night for for but Forrest again but. he did it all unbelievable yeah. Un- no Oof. you can't you can't put it any better than that. So my number uh, three here, um, it's got to be a female representative, and I know that. 100%. I know uh, not to spoil. I'm not going to spoil who you have for your number four. We, we both have a female, yeah, and, and both uh, are very much deserving and have to be. Mentioned. It's very hard for me not to pick yours if you're talking about like a. a, a well, that's where the pioneer thing. part comes right. in, right? And I, and I get, and I'm, and I'm, you know. Maybe this is just a this might be a bit of bias for me picking this other person, but I I don't think it's like I don't think it's a stretch well, to say that Amanda Nunes deserves to be on Mount Rushmore. If you guys can't tell, by the way, this picture, <laughs> so the one on the far left, that is Amanda. Again, this is Dana White, so he has Amanda, Chuck, uh, Hoist Gracie, and John Jones. It doesn't. It looks like. I don't really know. It does but not. But that look is like, supposed to be Amanda Nunes. It does not look like her. So, that's probably just because of lack of hair yeah, on, a, on a monument. Yeah, but, I guess so. Um, overall, Amanda Nunes is my number three. If you're talking about women's MMA, um, you have had some great fighters come through. When you talk about this in her division, especially because that was the first division, bantamweight division. Yep. Ronda Rousey with her incredible run, the pioneer. Spoiler. It's hard not to. That's I have right. to. I have to make note, right? Misha Tate, Holly Holm, with yeah. the incredible knockout, the probably the biggest underdog win in UFC history over Ronda. But Amanda Nunes. What's funny is all three of those women I just mentioned have all fell. Have all fallen in the first round by Amanda Nunes. Amanda Nunes. I'm not trying to steal your thunder. No, I, I want you to. She's undeniably, undoubtedly. 
the greatest women's fighter in the UFC has ever seen. And arguably all women's mixed martial arts. But. She is the best women's fighter of all time. Yeah. Ever. And, you know, by the end of her run, might be the GOAT, regardless she, of sex. I agree. She, the only thing that holds her back is that she has wiped out everybody. Yeah. It's hard to, like, for her to get any higher than she is now. Especially because, after December, if she Because she, who else is there, right? Because outside, if you want to talk about outside the three girls I just mentioned, guess who else would be in contention if you're talking about MMA? Chris Cyborg, who yep. she knocked out in 40 seconds. Who hadn't lost in a decade. Yeah, and has not lost since. Yeah. Um, Amanda Nunes, what she has brought to the table for women's MMA, in my opinion, that's kind of differentiating my pick here, is she brought what I'm going to look at as like a sense of like greatness. Like I was going to say equality, right? Yeah. Because women's MMA is great. Don't get me wrong. And when it was brought in and with Ronda Rousey, you know, going up against Liz Carmouche, like, it was a big deal. The UFC made it a big deal. It was the headliner. But when Amanda Nunes took over, you know, she destroyed Misha Tate. Then she destroys Ronda. And then, you know, you have the fights with Valentina and then... She's beating up Raquel Pennington for five rounds, and then she knocks out Cyborg, and then she head kicks Holly Holm into a, another stratosphere, and and then you have her wins recently against Jermaine Durandamy, who was the inaugural uh, featherweight women's featherweight champion. Felicia Spencer. Spencer. She's about to be fighting Megan Anderson at the end of the year. Maybe going to be similar <laughs> results. Yeah, we'll see. she beats her. Uh, but but two people. In what there, I'm saying the equality is. The way she's been beating people, because a lot of the ongoing joke is that women's MMA, it's like all decisions, right? It's a, it's a lot, you know, the stigma early on when you have this mostly male demographic, it's pretty girls, uh, like, having a sparring contest, and they don't, nobody really gets that hurt. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of done. Now, Ronda did a big, had a big hand in that with yeah. her first round submission finishes, like, just doing some crazy stuff with her judo and whatnot, but <clears throat> Amanda has gone in there and just destroyed people. And you're talking about, you want to talk about quality, like, that woman has a legitimate case. Oh, there's case. no one with a resume like that. I mean, I mean you talk about, legit, like, a quality, like, that woman, I would be very tempted to pick her over the current, like, the current Bantamweight champion or, like, the, if you're talking about featherweight, like, I, I mean, she is, like, I mean, just the way she's built, like, the way she comes in and just, like, the precise her striking, striking yeah. her ground game even, like, it's all just so impressive. And with Amanda, I feel like every time she fights, she looks better every time. In one aspect or another. Right. It's crazy. She, uh, she every time she comes in, like, with that Jermaine Durandamy fight, Jermaine was at times looking like she was getting the edge in uh, striking yep. um, exchanges. What's and Amanda one, do? Yep. Takes her down a million times. Dominates. JDR has no response to the takedowns. This, she can do anything yep. and everything. And she has done everything. She has wiped out everybody. There is, she is the king of the mountain for women's MMA. And there is not a single individual at this stage who is close. I agree. You could, I mean, Valentina. Valentina is the she's beat her twice. She's beat her twice. Why do I feel like those losses are so, or wins are so, like underrated? Just because they weren't the best fights, probably. 
Yeah. But 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 yes, they still should be talked about. Dude, Valentina is freaking. She's nuts, man. She's also great. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I, I can't really say anything else other than that. You know, if you're talking about and what a great basically genuine... when I look at it is like Ronda was the pioneer for women's MMA. I look at it like Amanda picked up where she left, and then some, and has taken it to a whole nother level. And she's the most genuine, sweetest human being. Mm-hmm. And you know what I think is so awesome? That picture that Dana White has of her in his Apex office? Or is that the I'm headquarters? I'm not sure which one. Um, and it's just this picture of her smiling from ear to ear with both belts on her shoulders when she beat Cyborg and just ran around. Yeah. Just pure emotion, genuine happiness. Like, you can't help but not smile right. when she smiles. Yeah, like, it, it's like, I, I mean, I, I, I just gush over this. Like, it was really hard for me to, like, go, okay, she, like, when we were doing our top ten, you remember, I almost put her over John Jones. Yeah. <laughs> you had her number four. Yeah. I mean. I, I was very, I, I love Amanda Nunes, obviously, and um, really the fact that she's still going, like, she still has, like, she's, she's, still, still, leaving, she's still leaving her mark, man. I hope that the casual fans pick up and start supporting her in a way that I feel she deserves as far as, like, uh, pay-per-view buys or whatever. But regardless, she's done everything for women's MMA. Everything. She's beat everybody. She's been the, the Perfect best, ambassador. The perfect ambassador. LGBT ambassador. Yep. She's been just an amazing um, pioneer in women's MMA and someone who has continuing to leave her impact she's she's amazing yeah and that's literally like i can't say enough that's my number three well that segues perfectly into mine i guess yeah or my final person uh noah kind of hinted at it it's ronda rousey is ronda the greatest female fighter of all time no we we've we've learned that at one time she was and at then, one time she was and but then, then everybody you know, caught up people catch up you know it happens there's levels to the game and uh you know but i'm not taking that away from her she's on my mount rushmore because i want to iterate reiterate that's eh, not been iterated i just want to state <laughs> dana white the president of the ufc we love dana white right <laughs> yeah, we, we love that guy yeah, love him he literally said, and it's on camera, there's video of it. Hey, Dana. This is a, the, the media TMT, are chasing him. It's TMZ. Yeah, what a surprise. Yeah. Um, hey, Dana, when are women going to be in the UFC? Looks him dead in the face and says, never. Women will never fight in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Ronda Rousey said, hold my beer. Dominates in what I believe was Strike Force, right? Was it Strike Force? Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's where Misha Tate and her had the rivalry they yeah, started there. They started. Again, if we're talking rivalries, Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate. It's a huge one. That's a huge rivalry. One of the biggest if we're talking women's only MMA. Ronda comes over to the UFC, sends shockwaves through the MMA community. The biggest organization in the world. They're finally putting women in the organization. And they're headlining the card. They're headlining a pay-per-view, inaugural champ. Ronda Rousey, Liz Carmouche, right? Yeah. Ronda, uh, that was actually a competitive fight early well, on. Well, early on, uh, Liz got her, had her back. Yeah, was yeah. Like, had her rear uh, naked. Rear naked, and she got out of it. Um, and then, in typical Ronda Rousey fashion, I'm, a, I'm pretty sure she got the armbar yeah. finish. Yeah. 
She becomes the very first women's champion in UFC history. What's funny, though, is you say that, but I don't know if you realize, when they announced it, Dana named Ronda inaugural champion. Oh, really? She was the champion in Strike Force, so when they brought her over... Gotcha. She was given the belt. I feel like I'm envisioning that press conference now, and she yeah. has the belt. They on. gave her the belt immediately. I mean, it literally. So that was technically her first title. Literally, if you're talking about Pioneers without Ronda Rousey, women's MMA may not be in the UFC still. No. Or it may. It would have taken, taken a lot, a lot longer. longer. Um, so, yeah. So from there, so if you count that as a title defense, she has six straight title defenses, dominates every single one of them. You want to talk about dominance like I talked about with Anderson? No one ever even came close to Ronda. Outside of that Misha Tate fight, every fight was done yeah. in the first round yeah. within the first and, couple and minutes. And what she do to Misha? Still finished her. Ronda yeah. never went to a decision. Nope. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then right when everybody said she couldn't strike, what would she do that next fight against Betch Cohea? Knocked her out in 34 seconds, I think. Yeah. One punch, center face planted. Yep. Now... We can nitpick her striking, right? We, yeah. She went up against Holly and Amanda. But well, let's, think, let's think about it, though. Despite the fact that she had those two, in some ways, embarrassing losses and didn't necessarily handle it well, look at what, if you, people, it may be hard for people to remember now because it's been, what, five years, six years since this was all going on? Yeah. I mean, her run started probably seven, eight years ago. But yeah, it started at uh, women's MMA, and the UFC was in 2013. 2015 to early 2016 is when that fight with Holly Holm occurred. Yes. The lead-up to that, do you remember what people were saying about her? There was legitimate, legitimate debates about if she could beat Floyd Mayweather. Joe Rogan's one of them. I believe that talked about it. Uh, Mentioned it. Joe Rogan basically, I mean, he... Basically, was almost, when he had her on his podcast, he was almost in tears just talking about her performances. Like just, she, now, and I'm glad you brought that up. Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm at that time headlined a UFC pay per view that was the most attended event in UFC history. Mm-hmm. Two women headlined that card. Who co-mained it? Two more women: Joanna Young, Jacek, and Valerie Letourneau. Yes. Back to back co-main main event by women. Was it is it Valerie Letourneau? Yeah, that's yeah. who it was. Or I don't know how to say her name yeah. exactly, but but and that's not possible without Ronda Rousey. No, two women's title fights headlining the at the time it's not anymore, but at the time, fifty-seven thousand people in a sold-out arena. I believe it's only been surpassed one time since It was then. Israel and Robert Whitaker. Yeah. And that was also in... It was They were both in Australia. Yeah. Without Ronda Rousey, that never happens. That does not happen. No, it doesn't. Um, and, and the biggest thing with Ronda I wanted to kind of finish on, little girls throughout the United States and all throughout the world saw this woman come over to the UFC and dominate by the way, I, I guess I'll mention this too. A bronze medalist at the Olympic Games in judo wrestling. Mm-hmm. I didn't even touch on that. That's kind of a big deal. There's only a handful of Olympic uh, fighters in the UFC, let alone medalists. Shout out Henry uh, Cejudo. Uh, what? Uh, Yoel Romero is a silver medalist. DC didn't even get a medal. Right. Like, there's only so many. And then Ronda comes in, dominates in MMA, comes to the UFC, and... Proves the little girls all over the world 
You can do whatever you want. Don't let stigma stop you. Don't let men stop you. Do whatever the hell you want to do and you can kick ass along the road. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing. There's so many videos of like all of these little girls waiting in line at her open workouts. Ronda, Ronda, Ronda pictures and autographs. And it's just so amazing to me. And without Ronda, is there women's mixed martial arts? It I mean, there probably such, is, but it didn't happen seven years ago. It's such it a shame. It could have been in 2016. It's such a shame. And I feel like part when I say this, I'm kind of like guilty of it myself. Like, um, part of the reason why I feel like I'm picking Amanda over her and then but it's a shame regardless the way her UFC tenure ended it is because you have the Holly Holm loss she does not take it very well no Um, well that's when people kind of was like uh, people stopped liking her because she was a sore loser quote unquote I mean she kind of was um, not that that's not this is that's, a woman, that's not unique. I mean, that's something that's happened many times. This over. woman had never experienced defeat before, <laughs> yeah. ever, in anything. Dominated the Olympics, obviously got bronze, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Dominated mixed martial arts. This was her first ever loss. She didn't know what to do. And obviously, it put her in a very dark place. Um, they were trying to do her versus Holly Holm too. Holly decided she didn't want to wait for Ronda. She takes a title fight with Misha Tate. Misha Tate ends up getting a submission win in the fifth round. In a fight that Holly was winning. Yeah. Um, so then that kind of throws that away. Well, then you have Misha's champion. Yeah, so you're like, oh, the rivalry again. But nope. UFC nope. 200, Misha fights Amanda Nunes. Most people going in, including us probably. I mean, I'm still a casual at the time, but I uh, think Misha's going to beat Amanda Nunes. Amanda steamrolls her in like three minutes. So then you have Amanda's champion. Well, now Ronda's ready to come back. UFC 207, the headliner, co-mained by our boy No Love, Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz. Greatest, one of the greatest title performances yeah, I've ever seen. But then our main event. I digress. The, I believe the the headline, Ronda's back. The hype video, it's all Ronda Rousey. Run, yeah. Walking through this mansion, like, she's back, she's watching people talking about her losing uh, doesn't do hardly any media at all in the lead up completely unprecedented like, yeah. the UFC are really bending over backwards well Connor literally got pulled off of UFC 200 for not going for to no press showing con- uh, yeah. the press conference but she was like I'm not doing any press she didn't want to talk about the loss to Holly Holm didn't want to talk about it so you're like damn like she's back she's and, about to come out and whoop ass and then Amanda knocks her out in about 40 seconds. Yeah, it was it was, and it tough. was a rough showing for her, to say the least. She looked like she didn't belong in there. Ronda was the biggest star in the sport mm-hmm. for the entire organization. She was the face of the UFC mm-hmm. for two years, three years. Yeah. Um, and then she fell from grace, which and, all greats have yeah. to do. And right? then she leaves the UFC goes to WWE and becomes a superstar Doesn't, again says some less than kind things about UFC fans and uh, just you know not she doesn't it's just it, it continues to to feed that beast of sore loser someone who's like you know you know she was a girl that she was becoming bigger than the sport where she was doing movies. I remember she was in Expendables 3. Yeah, man. She was in the Entourage movie. Like She was she, on top of the world. There were plans for her to become like a... like a, There was... I mean, there was legitimate uh, rumors that she might be in a Marvel movie yeah, and man. stuff like that. Like, 
Like she was becoming huge. I a mean, she already global was global superstar that we've only seen a and there couple might have of been, times. And there might have been a little bit of a uh, maybe focusing a little too much on the, the the glitz and glamour and not enough on the craft. I don't know. I'm not gonna say that. I'm just saying that 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 was at least thrown out there after yeah. these, and she did not take it very well. Um, so it's kind of a shame that that's kind of where we're at now, all these years later. UFC fans and her have a very contentious relationship, I would say. Um, she's now the, uh, actually, she's like managing fighter. She manages Edmund, Edmund Shabazian. Edmund Shabazian. Yep. And she did uh, get on a, like Instagram Live with Dana. She's married to UFC, or former UFC heavyweight Travis Brown. She's very much still involved with... Mixed martial arts. Yeah, I just, just a lot of behind the yeah, scenes. I don't man. think we'll ever see her fight in UFC again. No, um, just there's nothing left for her to do. Yeah, and she I, wants to start. I just, a family. I, just, I just hope that time will heal the wound between the fan base and her, and that we can start to just truly appreciate as a collective her it's, for her achievements it's and not so just special. those losses and not just the losses, but the the just bad taste that was left in everyone's mouth by the fallout and whatnot. And so. her I give real quick. Her intro by the way. I don't give a damn about my bad reputation. That was so sick. I don't know man, like we'll never see that level of superstardom I well, I don't want to say never, but because there's always stars. Um but it'll be hard to see that level of superstardom ever again, especially from a woman. Are you she, talking for women's MMA or in general? In general. Um, and uh, this is going to segue you perfectly for your number four. So yeah. I'll just lob it up. Well, because and slam in my in. opinion, there is a bigger there has there is a bigger star than Ronda Rousey. Yeah. There, and he was. He's hanging on my wall. He is my number four. He's a notorious one, the notorious Conor McGregor. Someone who is uh, very controversial controversial in the current landscape. But you cannot deny this man's impact on the sport. You can't. You can't deny it. Literally the only rise similar is Ronda's. And he did it bigger. He did it bigger. You look at what Conor McGregor achieved. This man was, when he was brought into the UFC... He had won multiple. Uh, he was a two division champion champ, champ. and uh, king of the cage, I believe. I think that's what it was. And then he uh, comes over to the UFC. At the time, I believe he's still a plumber, or a plumber living off of unemployment checks. Yeah, living on a, un, off of unemployment checks. There's that awesome interview after he wins one of his early fights where he says, "Dana, fifty G's, baby." Yeah, and uh, which is crazy when you look at his net worth now. But that man got that fifty G's, and he was happy about it. So, this you see Connor's rise; like it was just something you've never seen before. He talked the talk, and no one ever quite walked the walk like he yeah. did. So he beats a guy named Dennis Seaver, the goat, and basically. <laughs> From there, his career is catapulted because Cat, yeah. UFC planned to do him versus Aldo. Um, you have some amazing press conferences. They did, they did the first ever world yeah. tour. Yeah. When have you ever seen that? They Aldo, traveled around the world just to do press conferences. Yeah. And Aldo, when has that ever happened? Oh, wait. He did it with uh, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. I'm sure you'll touch on that later. Aldo ends up falling out of the fight. 
So now you have UFC 189, the very first event of the Reebok deal in a lot of ways. I believe it was the last event of 2015. Um, in a lot of ways, this is like the beginning of a new era, right? You have Reebok, like, you know, it's it's 2016 is about to happen. Like, it just feels there's a freshness in the air. Like, it's like we're in a new era. He's headlining a card against Chad Mendez. His toughest at the time opponent. But this card is essentially riding on Conor McGregor. And boy, did it deliver. Chad had his moments in that fight, don't get me wrong. Conor ends up basically knocking him to a loopy land in the end of the second round, I believe. Um, After battling back from adversity, Completely backs it up, though. Like, you know, he, he was saying, like, he's the draw, he's the big... And they basically were like, all right, you're the headliner now, kid. Go out there and prove it. And he proved it. Break out the red panties. So then... He's the, at the he's the, um, not the featherweight champ. He's not the featherweight champ, but he's the what's the the interim champ. Interim, yeah. interim champ. So now you rebook him versus Aldo UFC 194. One month after Ronda Rousey's fight with Holly Holm, and everybody's like, he's not going to actually win the belt, right? Like Aldo, Aldo. that run from Aldo was literally just. Incredible. He was the king. He, he was, was the king. He was get, at that time probably looked at as the best in the world. He, I don't think he had been beaten in a decade, a decade at that time. Yeah. Connor comes out and knocks him out in 13 seconds. It was the first punch he threw in the fight. The first punch. Knocks him out cold. One punch. He's done. Out. The king of the featherweight division. Yep. A guy who had, superstar. A guy who had not even so much as looked vulnerable in his previous fights. Knocked out. 13 seconds. 13 seconds. Connor is at the... At that point, the world is yours, kid. Yeah. Now, there was some stumbles along the way. Because then his plans to go champ-champ against Rafael Dos Anjos. Still wish we could have seen that yeah, fight. Yeah, RDA ends up falling out of that fight. So then, you get the late replacement... Nate Diaz. Here comes that talk of the rivalries again. And then the fight's at welterweight. It's kind of a mess in the lead up, right? You got Nate taking a fight on like two weeks. Notice Connor originally planning for a lightweight title fight at 155. Now he's fighting at 170. Not the prettiest of lead ups. But you get an incredible fight that Nate ends up shocking the world. I think that's what I think that's what uh, Joe Ren goes, Nate, you just shocked the world. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Yeah, he's got the, the blood pump. on him. Yeah, an incredible underdog win. You think you think that's going to stop Connor? No, they rematch six months later at the same weight class. Not for a belt. They headline no title fight underneath it. Nothing, just those two. Biggest pay per view of all time. Biggest of all time. The first fight we ever watched at B-Dubs. Yep, enough. up here in BG. Yep. yep. And that and talk about. This plat place was bumping. <laughs> yeah, that night, half man. the half the people were for Connor. That's the Connor the thing, though. Like, if Connor wasn't fighting, beatups wouldn't be half full. If that, Connor there was not an empty seat in that restaurant, and I want to give Nate Diaz credit oh, yeah. to say, like, look, the guy had put a lot of time into the sport. The guy talked some shit. It's not like it was just Connor, but but we know who the ultimately was. ultimately if Connor McGregor isn't who he is. 
that Nate Diaz is never sent into the heights he's sent to because of that win. So Connor gets over the Nate Diaz hump, right? Well, then you in have... one of the greatest fights of all time, that second fight. Agreed. Three months later, UFC 205 in New York, the UFC's big comeback to New York. They had that after my aforementioned uh, band, New York was the last state to legalize mixed martial arts. Didn't legalize it until like 2015, which is crazy. This was the first pay-per-view. The first pay-per-view in New York. Madison Square Garden. What a beautiful like setup for that. Three title fights. A great night. Man. Headlined Eddie Alvarez, who at this point had beat RDA, light, or lightweight champion, going up against Conor McGregor. Can Conor become the first to hold two belts simultaneously in two different divisions, and he starches. The best performance of Conor McGregor's career, I won't be told otherwise. He starches Eddie Alvarez. Absolutely impeccable. Beautiful. Beautiful performance. He gets on the mic. He gets on the mic. I'd like to take this moment to apologize to absolutely nobody. The champ champ does whatever the fuck he wants. And it was like, yeah, you're right. You do, you do do whatever the fuck you want, Connor. He he gets up on that cage, lifts both belts in the sky, something that had never been seen before. Mm-hmm. Truly historical, special moment. Yeah. And at this point, I feel like the majority of the MMA community loves Connor McGregor, right? <laughs> the majority. He, sure, they, you had the Nate Diaz support. Like, I'm a big, I'm actually a guy who's a bigger Nate Diaz fan than Connor McGregor. So I was rooting for Nate at that beat ups. But I never hated Connor McGregor. Well, and this is another, I've kind of touched on this from some of the fighters. Connor had an entire country behind him. You talk about a fan base, those Irish folk showed out in hordes flew across the Atlantic Ocean to come watch him fight. It's crazy. The atmospheres at his fights, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Woo! So, coming off of this, his star has never been bigger. No. That that (laughs) Nate Diaz loss is not even in the... it's not. Not even in the thought of anybody. So, what's next, right? Who does he fight next? Um, maybe the best boxer of all time in a boxing match question <laughs> but it happens <laughs> Conor McGregor goes to boxing to box Floyd Money Mayweather 49-0 at the time 49-0 and never they, been beaten did you want to say never that? close to being beaten okay <laughs> just saying I'm not even a huge boxing fan but you can't deny it yeah I mean it's true Conor and Floyd have a world tour they, that was awesome. They talk some shit. They, Great punchlines, yeah. funny moments. We got thousands of dollars flying through yeah, the sky. We're just some madness, right? And then Connor really outperforms what anybody probably thought he would going in. You it was his first professional boxing fight. You can't call it a bad performance. No. I was. He lasted, what was it, nine, ten rounds? Uh, he got TKO'd, I guess, technically. Sort of a stoppage, yeah. I guess, but yeah, it was round ten. Round yeah. ten, yeah. And for, he won multiple for rounds. Really, the first seven rounds, it was very competitive. Yeah, it really was. And I think part of that may have been Floyd, like, kind of 
knowing like he's gonna get tired, I'm gonna come on strong. Yeah. But you can't deny like his performance. Yeah. Kind of I mean, looked good. He, he won, won rounds. He won rounds. So yeah. regardless it doesn't he matter. He landed good shots, yeah. man. Like What the, weight was that at? No like one fifty two. I don't know. The boxing weight classes are so weird. There's something weird. Yeah, I ain't gonna know that shit. Sorry. So Connor's just so much bigger. Yeah, I, I feel like. So anyway. I mean, and the the fight goes on to sell like how many? Well, do, not what Dana said. They said it did like four point six no, or something that's what like Dana that. Said but it, it's the highest selling pay per view of all time. I don't know what it is. Was it above Pacquiao Mayweather? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if that's true. I think it is. Fact check us, please. I'll look. One of the big, talking. one of the biggest pay per views of all time. Keep going. And, I mean, really, like that's like really why he's on here. Just from that whole run right there, he is someone who is bigger than the sport, and it's not even close. There is not another person who has came through the UFC in this relative infancy of twenty-seven years who has came close to the amount of star power. That Conor McGregor has, besides maybe Ronda Rousey, she might be. That's the, the only close second. There, and I don't think it'll be replicated anytime soon. I, it, we may never see it in our lifetimes. I've got stats. What is it? Number two, Floyd Conor, four point three million. Number one, Floyd Pacquiao, four point six million. Yeah, what I say? What I say? Yeah, which fight was better? <clears throat> True, but don't question me on that shit, bro. Hey, man, I'm just saying. So. There will never be another star bigger than Conor McGregor in our life. That event was called the biggest fight in combat sports history. There's my mic drop. And it was a huge fight, obviously. So, again, I'm going to keep repeating it because I feel like you're not hearing it. There will never be another fighter in the UFC in our lifetime who will come. Not reach stardom like Conor. Nope. It won't happen. And sure, post the Floyd fight, uh, you have the fight with Habib where he gets dominated and he doesn't—he doesn't really look very. Uh, still, the hype behind that. Yeah, was I mean, it was, it's the highest-selling UFC, UFC for, of, all, of time. all time. If you look at the top ten, if you look at the top ten highest-selling UFC pay-per-views of all time, it's the number three overall pay-per-view. Yeah, Connor is has like over half of them. Yeah, of the top ten. Crazy, I mean, the guy is just bigger than a sport. He's yeah, um, he's and he has his own whiskey now. He but, does not need to step foot in that octagon again. No, but yet he still does. He had the cowboy fight just at the beginning of this year. So, um, all in all, man, like, sure, have I had my moments where I'm like, God, I'm tired of Conor McGregor. Sure, have I had my moments where I'm like, man, I wish he would just stop so we can move on. Sure, but I cannot deny right. That his impact is the greatest. If you want to talk about just individual, like there's outside of I guess Hoist Gracie, who literally is the reason we have what we have today. Well, and you got to think he's kind of paving this this road for these newer fighters to where okay, not only can you be dominant and get paid, but you can talk shit, build hype, and get paid even more. Yeah, he 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 wrote the book. I mean, you've seen we're finally kind of past that. That was one. Part of the reason why I was like getting annoyed with them was because all of the people coming up that tried to replicate him. Yeah, and they're not even close. They're not even close. He just the way he did it was Jorge's just... been the closest, right? In terms of stardom. 
Yeah. But it's and it's still not even close. No. It's crazy. And uh yeah, I mean that's pretty much I mean that's really all I can say. His book I mean his book's not even done yet. I mean for all we know this guy could go box. There's been rumors of him going to box someone back, else. Yeah. Yeah, or he could come back and maybe have a rematch with Habib or somebody and oh. it'll break records. Yeah. His it's not done for him. He's the biggest of all time and to me uh uh for my personal Mount Rushmore it would be incomplete without him just because of the the heights he got to and what he's done with the sport to get it to a new level. You know your boy Tyler's going to love this. I know he's going to love it, so he can stop complaining about us <laughs> leaving him off these videos. Anyways, that's the Mount Rushmore. Whew. Whew. Yeah, exhale. Take if you guys don't know, this is an after dark and a half. <laughs> yeah, we're doing this so late. We are about to end this at <laughs> three forty-five a.m. Yeah, it's crazy. It's been a it's been a great night, though. Yeah. So, um, but all in all, rest of the week, be on the lookout tomorrow. Big news coming Thursday. I don't think they're ready. I don't think they are either. I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Because really, it doesn't start till Thursday. And right. Like that's all we can do is keep it a secret. Keep, yeah, it's really hard for me not to talk about it. But be on the lookout on our personal Instagram and Twitters, the Below Average Joe's underscore podcast on Instagram, and the YouTube channel. YouTube where we'll channel. post uh, the the announcement, pub, uh, public service announcement, State of the Union address, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. We'll be one month in. We we and we're coming with a banger. <laughs> So, uh, Dom, tell the people where they can find you. They better be on the lookout. That was me, and I'm sorry. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram personally at dsalee14, and as Noah already mentioned, our podcast Instagram is at belowaveragejoes underscore podcast. Mm -hmm. And you can find me at ntbaker underscore rest of the week <laughs> we did forget about friday <laughs> yeah. didn't we thursday's you, overtaken you were us. getting ready for the outro <laughs> so obviously thursday yeah we just said we forgot that. about friday friday preview time michelle mm. watterson versus angela hill all these events man hashtag ufc vegas 10 <laughs> it's gonna be the preview show on friday you already know and then monday will be the recap show of that same event absolutely and with that we're out and we'll see y'all on Thursday? Question mark. <laughs>